to Are You Up Babs as we join together for another episode that we look at the Word of God and we increase our faith together because the point is we need to grow and we need to grow in the Lord. Amen. And so if we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament starts with the book of Genesis and the book of Genesis has 50 chapters and if you read up until the end of the 50th chapter, you will get to the story of Joseph who died in Egypt. So the whole story of him saving his family as he went to Egypt as a slave and then through lots of hardship became the 2IC of Pharaoh and literally saved not only the Egyptians from famine and starvation, but his very own people and people from all over the world as they came to Egypt to get food. And so we are continuing from the book of Genesis. It goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So as we move from Genesis into the next books that I've mentioned, it tells us about how Joseph now has died, which is in the 50th chapter of the book of Genesis, and then how new pharaohs came into being who did not know of the small family of Jacob, of around about between 50 and 70 people who had come to live there, and they were free and they herded their cattle there in Egypt in an area called Goshen. But now, as the new Pharaoh comes in, this nation of Israel grows and grows and multiplies and multiplies until they're millions. And the Egyptians are very threatened by them, and Pharaoh makes them slaves. They become slave people to the Egyptians. And then Moses is born, and he wants to set the people free. He does it in his own strength by killing a Hebrew slave as he's, he's taken into the palace to become one of the Egyptian adopted children. But then he sees a Hebrew slave being abused and he kills the slave master. And he has to run away because Pharaoh now wants to kill him. He spends 40 years in a desert area where God ministers to him. He's amongst the Midianite people. And then God sends him back. And this is where the plagues happen. The shedding of the blood of a lamb as the people are called into their house. And God tells them to take a lamb, to shed its blood and to pour the blood into a bowl. And then to take a hyssop branch and to put with the hyssop branch, dipping it into the blood, to put it onto the doorpost, the lintels of the door. Every father to do that with his family in his home. And then that night, no one is to leave as the angel of of death comes over and every firstborn Egyptian child dies but every Hebrew is saved from that 
And so it is a foreshadowing of the cross of Jesus Christ, of the blood of Jesus Christ. And remember the bowl that the blood is poured into signifies our faith and the hyssop branch signifies our declaration. And as we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that blood of the lamb, we receive him by faith and his blood and our testimony becomes our declaration over our lives. So it is such beautiful symbolism. But we read about the Passover and how they go into the desert and they spend time in the desert building the Ark of the Covenant, learning God's laws. But as they move now into the desert, they grumble. The people are evil. They, the Bible says they have a, a wicked report. They don't believe God and his promises. They keep groaning and complaining. And so God says to Moses, this generation will not see the promised land. It will be the next generation. I want to tell you what should have taken 11 days from Egypt across the Red Sea into the promised land took them 40 years. Now, 40 years is significant because 40 years equals a generation. And you know, I'm over the age of 40 and I can see how a new generation has come in and we're now part of the older generation. And you know, this is the cycle of life, but the older generation is to bless the younger generation and the children are to bless the older generation. We delight in one another, isn't it? And so that's always the plan of God, but this older generation who grumbles and complains, God says to them, you will not see the promised land. I will give it to the next generation. And so the book of Joshua is about now Joshua becoming the new leader after Moses dies. And Joshua is the one, if you've ever been into a home and you've seen a placard on the wall that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said that. And I want you to imagine this leader of the Israelite people saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It must have inspired the other people to obey the commands of God, to get into their house and to fix the affairs of their home and their family and point their family back into the direction of God, who is our, our loving father and as our savior. And so Joshua was an extremely faithful servant to Moses. Do you know that you will read how Joshua would stay in the presence of God when Moses left to fulfill the command that God had just given him. But Joshua would continue to stay in the presence of God. He was extremely loyal to Moses. And so when Moses dies, God makes Joshua the new leader of the people. And just as Moses took the people across the Red Sea, God performed the phenomenal miracle, opened the Red Sea, and they went through the Red Sea and he circumcised the first generation, Joshua leads the people again through a phenomenal miracle that God works. Joshua leads the people across the Jordan River and he circumcises the second generation. And when this happened, God established him as the leader. When he crossed that Jordan River, I want to tell you it was no small thing. And that established him as the leader of the Israelites. They respected him and they revered him. And they again celebrated the Passover every year. And then they ate the crops 
of the promised land of Canaan. And when they ate the crops, the manna stopped. God had sent them manna for 40 years. And when they ate the crops from the now promised land that they'd received, the manna stopped. And so if you read the book of Joshua, you would read about the city Jericho and how they marched around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day, they did it seven times and how the walls came down and how God gave them the ability to conquer the city. And if you know the story, there was a prostitute woman there that lived in Jericho, but she'd heard about this God. And she said to them, I will help you, but please save me and my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, she didn't say that. Joshua said it. But you see how when people come to learn about God and they're in awe of God, they say, doesn't matter what they've done. We're all sinners. But they come and they say, hey, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so her and her family are saved. And you continue to hear as they move across the lands, how they conquer the kings. And then in Joshua chapter 9, and that's where we're going to focus a little bit today. All the kings west of the Jordan River had heard about what God had done for them from 40 years back when the Red Sea opened all the way through the desert and now as they were conquering Jericho and other places. And so these kings came together. The kings were the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Pezerites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they combined their armies. They must have looked like a whole lot of termites. Now, I'm wondering if that's not a dad joke. So you can maybe comment down below and tell us if you think that's a dad joke. But all these people from the arts. And so the Gibeonites here what God has done. And they decide that they are going to resort to deception to save themselves. And so they send some ambassadors to Joshua. They load their donkeys with weathered saddlebags. They have old patched wineskins. They have old patched sandals and worn out ragged clothing and they're carrying dry moldy bread and they arrive and they say we have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us so the Israelites reply how do we know that you do not live nearby because if you do live nearby we cannot sign a peace treaty with you and they reply we are your servants And Joshua says to them, but who are you and where do you come from? And they say, your servants come from a very far country. We have heard of this mighty God that you serve, the Lord God Almighty. We heard about what he did in Egypt and how he has overcome mighty kings. And so our elders and all our people instructed us to take supplies for a long, long journey. The bread was hot when we left our land. The wineskins were new when we left our land. And so the Israelites begin to examine their bread and their wineskins and they see how weathered and old the wineskins are and how dry and moldy the bread is. But the Bible says, but they did not consult the Lord. 
So Joshua makes a peace treaty with the people and he guarantees them their safety and they go on their way. But three days later, Joshua and the people of Israel actually hear, they find out these men live nearby. So they make a three-day journey to the Gibeonites and they discover they do not come from a far, far land. They live close by. However, they did not attack them because of their vow. The people of Israel began to grumble about their leaders. But what Joshua did was he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers because of their deceit. Now, isn't this, let's just pause there for a bit. Isn't this a great example of how we can do in our everyday lives certain things without consulting the Lord? Let's be a bit practical. So maybe we consult the Lord about a job or we consult the Lord about a promotion, but we don't consult the Lord when we want to take out a loan or we don't consult the Lord when we are now looking to open up an insurance policy. And the question is, why not? Why do we have some compartments where we go to God and other compartments where we don't or we don't see it's necessary or we don't even think about it? The question is, nothing is hidden from God. So if someone is planning to deceive you, wouldn't God show you? He would protect you. He would lead you. He would guide you through the power of his Holy Spirit. But we never prayed and we never consulted God. If someone is planning to deceive you, God will lead you and show you. But we need to consult God. And so the Bible tells us in the very next book after Joshua comes a book of Judges. And if you read the book of Judges over and over again, every chapter says, do not be wise in your own eyes. You see, if you are wise in your own eyes, you won't think to consult God. Let's look at the lessons learned. The Gibeonites worked craftily, which means they were clever in the way they schemed and planned and they pretended they misrepresented themselves as they came to the Israelites. They used methods of deception. Now that can happen to us every single day. Let's think about dating. A guy meets a girl, a girl meets a guy and they miss represent themselves in the hopes of catching that person. They could lie. They could say things that they like, that they don't like. They could say they're a Christian when they're not. They could say they love sports when they hate sports. They could misrepresent themselves completely and give that person a wrong impression because their marketing department is out, if you get what I'm saying. Now, God wants to protect us from that, but we need to be consulting him. We need to be asking God to show us the real person. And what about the workplace? The workplace can be really a cutthroat place where people stab each other in the back. And we want to ask God and ask God to lead us and guide us and show us so that firstly, we can represent God in the workplace. But secondly, that we would have wisdom as to how to go about things. And so they lied about who they were. Now, despite their lies, I, I want to say this, like Rahab, they did have a proper admiration and honor for God. 
and that is why they deceived the Israelites. So Joshua and the Israelites accepted the deception by not getting God's counsel. They listened, they looked, they studied, they felt, and they went ahead instead of going to God. They trusted their senses instead of the Lord. They walked by sight and not by faith. The Bible instructs us to walk by faith and not by sight. But they looked and they were wise in their own eyes. How much trouble can we get ourselves in when we do not consult the Lord? They were wise in not allowing one sin to follow another. So yeah, what could have happened is they could have realized we've been deceived. They could have gone to the Gibeonites and seen you guys have lied. And then they could have chosen to kill them all. Now, the fact that they signed a peace treaty with them was wrong. But now they'd given their word that they would not attack them. If they had now attacked them, they would have done another wrong. And two wrongs don't make a right. And this mistake they did not make. I want you to see as we go along that that's what we can do in everyday life. We can date someone without consulting the Lord and they misrepresent themselves. They lie to us. They deceive us. For a girl, a guy can deceive you because he wants sex. For a guy, a girl can deceive you because maybe you have money and that's all that she's actually interested in is security. She doesn't have a heart for you. And you know, there are hundreds of examples like that. But now you're dating someone, you haven't consulted the Lord and this person's not right for you. And then you get into a sexual relationship with them. Two wrongs don't make a right. You get into a sexual relationship with someone outside of marriage and then you fall pregnant and then you have an abortion. Two wrongs don't make a right. This is not a condemnation conversation. This is me saying, hey, we can't do something wrong and then cover it with another wrong. And the Israelites and Joshua didn't make this mistake. They didn't make a second wrong. They didn't make a second mistake after their first mistake. Later on, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21, King Saul broke the treaty with the Gibeonites by killing them. A famine came over Israel and it lasted for three years and it was severe. David, who became the king, came before the Lord and he said to God, Lord, why is there such bad famine? What have we done? And the Lord showed David how they had wronged the Gibeonites by breaking that peace treaty. And David was able to repent and make right. You see, like Rahab, the Gibeonites found salvation in the God of Israel. The city Gibeon became the priestly city of the Ark of the Covenant most of the time during the reign of King David and King Solomon. The Ark of the Covenant stayed in Gibeon. When the wall was rebuilt by Nehemiah, the Gideonites helped them. God can do the same with our mess ups. We all make mistakes. 
We've all messed up and we have all done something without consulting the Lord, right? But you know what's wonderful is God's not like, hmm, now watch. I'm going to tell you I told you so 10 times. He's not like that. He wants us to just make the next step a right step and the next step an obedience step the next step a salvation step that's what God wants his heart is always for sinners to turn to him that our testimony can become their testimony and wasn't that the case with the Gibeonites wasn't that the case with Rahab that their testimony became Rahab's testimony. The Israelites' testimony became the Gibeonites' testimony. And you know, the Gibeonites, when they were told they're going to be water carriers and slaves, servants to them, they didn't say we will do that as a sign of weakness. They actually said we will do that in honoring this God of Israel that they respected and honored. And so as we've been looking at prayer, and the burden of prayer, as radical prayer, and now at consulting God. And what happens when we don't consult God? You know, the whole aim is that when our faith increases, other people's faith increases. When we walk by faith and not by sight, other people begin to be able to walk by faith and not by sight. When we model Jesus, not religion, not religion. When we model Jesus, other people begin to model Jesus. And that's what it's about. And so as we've looked at mainly chapter nine from the book of Joshua, my prayer is that you would be encouraged by the lives of those who lived for the Lord and made mistakes and yet how God moved through them radically, that that would be our story, that one day we too will be gone from this earth, but we will have left a story, a book about our lives and our faithfulness to the Lord. And that's what it is. Every day we are writing a chapter, weaving in the story of Jesus Christ in our lives, in our children's lives, in our grandchildren's lives, in our community, in our shopping center, wherever our feet go that day, there we are weaving the love of God the blood of Jesus, the victory of Christ in that place, in that area, in those lives. I really want to encourage you, don't ever give up. Remain faithful because God loves you. And when we make a mess up, can I encourage you not to make a second mess up? It's okay. We can come to God and go, God, I'm so sorry. But now I'll make the right decision instead of making the wrong decision. Let everything that we do bring glory to God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you and praise you for your word. It is so wonderful to read. It's so wonderful to get ourselves into that story and to see exactly what you are saying and ministering to us. And we thank you, Lord, for the richness in your word. Your word is truly you speaking to us and leading us and guiding us every single day. And we're so grateful. We love you, Father. We ask you to lead and guide our every step, our every decision. We don't want to make decisions without you. Father, nothing is insignificant. We want to lay our lives down before you. Allow your blessings 
to be weaved over every area of our lives. Father, we lift up to you our families, our children, our marriages, our grandchildren, the seed ahead of us. We lift up our neighborhoods and our nation. And we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your blood that covers us so that overwhelming victory is ours. I ask you, Lord, for any areas in our lives that is broken or hurting, we ask you, Father, that right now you would minister, you would make a way where there seems to be no way. And as we're consulting with you, as we are praying radically, Father, we will see miracles and we will be able to tell people of the miracle that you've done in our lives. And as we share that, Father, their faith would increase and they would know what you have done for us you will do for them. And so I thank you, Lord. I thank you for our testimonies and I thank you for the blood of Jesus. We just give you praise and honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. And maybe there was something you've been doing that you haven't consulted God with. Now's a great time just to begin to talk to him about it and say, Lord, won't you lead me and guide me? I'm sorry I haven't asked you before, but I'm asking you now. As I've realized and understood. And Father, I want us to make these decisions together. Will you show me? Will you go and do that? Have a great day. May God bless you.